Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? Uh, it's going fantastic. Uh, really good. Um, I, I nice. think that uh, I'm recovered from the weekend. <laughs> we're recording. We're recording on Wednesday, and I know most people, long listeners, will know that we usually record on Mondays. We got yeah, together. it's a little bit of the same thing we talk about every time we do Gen Con or ICG Con or any of these sort of multiple three, four day uh, hangout events. I think by the third day for me, I'm fairly well fatigued. I think we always say don't go hard the first night, and then we always do go hard the first night. Um, didn't. Uh, my first night decision making was not too stupid, though I did stay up until, I mean, it was like 530 in the morning, uh, Trotsky and Andrew and I talking about politics and family and all of that good stuff. And so, yeah, just fatigue, right? Yeah, like yeah. lack of sleep for, for three, four straight days. But, uh, anyway, then, then, then um, I, we got together. Then I came back and, and played, a. Like till two or three in the morning, some Borderlands. So I've I'm I kind of nice. just nice. you know got, had that exhaustion. So but I, I think I'm caught up now. So the really good is the uh, yeah it was good fun time you know type stuff. But uh, I think I'm um I had a lot of things going on for the last couple of weeks, and now I'm at a yeah spot, yeah. Right? Now now I'm looking forward to the future. <laughs> um. <laughs> so yeah, the what, what's the what's the future got for us? I got we got the end of 2020. That's the thing. I heard somebody say the other day. Um, that they're refusing to do daylight savings time in the fall because they they were not going to give twenty twenty one more extra hour that it didn't deserve. So people are so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Uh, like like all of, all of these problems and tragedies will magically be over on, <laughs> because on of the December thirty first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, twenty twenty coming we, here in America. We've got an election coming up pretty soon. There's uh, yeah. Um, PlayStation 5 and Xbox 2 or whatever the new Xbox thing is called. It's coming out soon. Christmas. Yep, there's season two of Mandalorian. Mandalorian, that, yeah, that's coming soon. So there's a lot of good things. Discovery started back there's up. A, so. Yep, new season of Discovery. Did Did you want to talk about that at all or, or just wait until we've seen a couple Man, episodes? Man, I think we should wait. We, we did watch that together. We watched it when we were together, so it's now been like four or five days ago, and my memory of it is pretty hazy. Yeah, and it... Uh, I I have a feeling. Well, we know now that a lot of this show is it's long form. So, yeah, in these long form yeah. kind of shows, talking about them individually is really it's, not great. It's long, you know, serialized storytelling, and it's it's a rough transition off lower decks. Like for sure, for sure. Yeah, the the like just yeah. a a very dramatic tone shift. Yeah, you you have lower decks that is like. For fans, by fans, of fans, with fans. Yeah, just de- delightfully entertaining from start to finish. For, for and Star then Trek to go to this, yeah. like, and this is a like what, yeah, what is the, I am kind of intrigued with um, the event that they've used to differentiate the future from the present. There's a little bit of that stuff that is, um, I don't know. I, I struggle with plausibility on things, right? Like. <laughs> You look, you look at, and I mean, you're talking about I understand, Star Trek here, right? They're all, you're talking about Star Trek and I understand that it's TV. Right. Like part of the reason, you know, the Star Trek world is so different between the 2200s and the 2300s is that one show, one series was made in the sixties and the other three series were made in the late eighties and nineties yeah. and special effects were just, were just different. But I'm like, there's a drastic difference in 
like the tech and a lot of those things in the hundred year span between original Star Trek and Next Generation. And then to go 900 years in the future and go like, the humans are still the same. Like the, most of this stuff is the same. Like the technology is more advanced, but it's not as much more advanced as you would kind of expect for 800 years of, uh, of time passing. Um, but that's whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's this is uh, it's, discover. I mean, we're I said we're not going to talk about this too much, but discover. Yeah, yeah, I know. I said that, and then I and then I started getting <laughs> into it. This, discover, We've only seen one episode, seen one. But, but but I I do now that we they know for sure CBS is is on board with not just having uh, one Star Trek series. There, it feels like they've did the, their did their tipping of their feet into the Star Trek world again with Discovery. It was successful. Other the other Star Trek shows are becoming successful with Picard and now lower decks and mm-hmm. they're putting the other one out um, with Pike. So they're, they're all in with this and it, it's good to see that. I think that they are trying to intentionally diversify themselves in their shows. And this, I, it is just one episode, but uh, you know, I think that um, uh, the conscious decision to put um, discovery so far into the future that it's the, it's the, the new Trek in you Trek, right? It's the, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the newest out there, out there. And it's got its own thing. And it's, a whole different kind of thing, just like Picard will be its own kind of thing. I think Picard is going to be very much what Discovery season one and two was. Um, and, yeah. and it'll fill that role. So, yeah, I don't know. Except it's too early to to talk about it um, until we see more. On these kind of shows, I like the idea of, you know, talking about that we're watching it like we're doing now. Talking about it again, maybe mid-season and then again at the end. Cause that, that does, uh, you know, we can see where we're at, how we kind of feel. Um, Hype it up at the beginning, which, you know, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's, Discovery is always good to be hyped up about. I've never been a big Michael Burnham fan, so this was a big Michael Burnham episode. But. Yeah, this episode was all was all Michael Burnham. Do you have any thoughts on the burn? I think we can talk about that without... It's technically a spoiler, but they've not really explained much about it, so... Nah, I mean, again, I, I, I think it's just a way to say that, like, to separate the past and the future. Like yeah. yeah, I... I read years ago, I read a comic book that George R.R. R. Martin worked on, the author of Song of Ice he and Fire something? or Game of Thrones, as it's better known. Well, it's something that he did way back, like probably when he should have been working on the next book in his series. <laughs> but um, he did this he did this comic and I don't remember who collaborated with him on it, but it was a alternate present, right? So like present day, but um vaguely post-apocalyptic and the the apocalypse in question was um and i forget what the story was it's a little bit of like the planet of the apes kind of thing where they come up with something and you're like all right i see what you were trying to do like you you worked the story back from you know the end to the beginning right so the the difference between this world and our world is that there's no more petroleum of any kind. Like some, some scientists try to develop something to like clean up an oil spill. And it ends up being this like petroleum eating virus that spreads throughout the whole planet. And now there's no oil at all. Yeah. And, and so it's an alternate, like you see this guy, you know, 
uh, picks up the protagonist or whatever, he's got a van, like a minivan, and it's hitched to a team of horses because it doesn't run anymore um, because there's no gas, because there's no petroleum. Mm. And it, it rem- this Star Trek Discovery thing reminded me of that. I'm like, okay, yeah, you take this like fundamental, it's a little bit like that terrible sci-fi series where there was no electricity, and you're like, well, electricity is kind of fundamental to everything, <laughs> like including the way our brains work. Like, how do you exactly uh, make that happen? <laughs> but um, it also was just very badly written. Right. Uh, I can't even remember the name of it. But, um, but this is like it's one of those kind. Of, this is the end of dilithium. It's one right? of those kind of things of yeah. It's it's dilithium. So. Um, I said, and I don't know if anybody heard me when we were watching it, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is why in Picard they, you know, had this collapse of Romulans. And of course, that tied in with um, the events in the J.J. Abrams movies, which was kind of an interesting way to connect that universe to the, the Abramsverse movies are still in their own separate timeline. But they established in the first movie that there was a supernova in the Romulan system yeah. uh, because Romulan starships run on this super nerd thing. Kind of uh, instead of an ant, a matter antimatter reaction, they run on a um, contained uh, black hole, kind of like, like an artificial singularity, which I don't know if that involves the lithium crystals or not, but the thing they, they do in discovery is that all the dilithium crystals, collapse and stop working and that's the thing that lets starships harness matter antimatter reactions which is everything right like the only reason that star trek is this post-scarcity utopia is because they have the ability to convert matter into other matter and back and forth right they have teleporters they have replicators they have holodecks and they have warp drive and all of that stuff is possible because they have this um, um, you know, incredible amount of power that they can harness through this through this reaction, and the dilithium crystals are essential to that. And so, without that, now you know the Federation is all but non-existent because this central part of their technology, um, and and transportation has has become has become not available. It's like in a in a real world equivalent it would be like if the british empire when it was still an empire had suddenly lost all of their ships right and you know pre pre you know electronic communication when all you have are ships to you know send information back and forth like that's that's what you need like ships already were not great at, but they did it until they had telegraphs and then phones and eventually satellites and the internet but if you lose that communication, suddenly Britain has no control over Australia or India or Canada or any of their colonies uh, because, you know, they're cut off, yeah. right? They become islands. I, I think that um, you just lost any non-Trek fan right there with the, the, right. the, 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 the Dilithium discussion. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I did see that when I heard that quickly. And the only thing I thought it was like, Obviously, it was a it's a big mechanism to say okay, old Trek, new Trek, and future, past, and and now we don't right. because a lot of Star Trek has to adhere to Star Trek, and all all of the it's like comic books. People don't want to read 
Batman and Superman because, or X-Men because it's got so much history and so much things and you have to know reason why and why we can't do this and it's all established in canon. But when you like mm-hmm. take core part out, you're like, okay, now we don't have to follow anything that's of these past rules, right? And that's that's sure, a, that's sure. a way like, for them to do that. Like like Earth Two with Flash yeah. when they yeah, split, we, we can just do our own thing, and and can, Discovery can do that, and that's that's fine. I so we don't we don't know anything about this new world much. I, so I like it. I like it better than what they did in Picard. Like I can appreciate a like nonsense sci-fi technical reason for things being crappy more than just you know oh the people in the federation suddenly became insular like modern day conservatives building border walls and i'm like "Ah, that's completely contrary to the entire concept of the federation like how do you just i think i think i I Uh, pretty much like everything there is about discovery with the exception of when it starts to, which it does often, lean into CW territory. When it leans into the, sure. to the drama-ish of... Like relationship, relationship. drama, you and, mean? And, and I, I yeah. always like a little bit of the relationship drama. That's totally cool. Of course. But, you know, what I'm on record with Lieutenant Love Interest being the worst part of the show and Michael Burnham always on the verge of crying every 10 minutes. And it's, yeah. it's just too much with that and but everything else they do is fantastic like the stories are great the writing's great the um i don't know the the scenarios are great the effects i like it all i like i like a lot of that stuff so yeah we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see we'll we'll look, come back at this at you know mid-season and and see where we're at and how we feel it discovery's taking off on the way but uh it's the it's the only trek out now and it feels like cbs has this really good way of pacing their trek people which is a way mm-hmm. to right keep mm-hmm. cbs all access going all year round uh, it beats the game of thrones I, thing like game of thrones had you i read it and then you got rid of it yeah i mean they had other shows but none of them were were quite as good i read that they are planning on rebranding their streaming service oh are they and calling and calling it paramount plus which gave me a big groan and eye roll uh reaction Instead of disney plus yeah. Well, the, the the you know it will it will lock in Trek fans if they have a, a, a nice constant stream of new Trek stuff at all times throughout the year. You like you, right, you do right. you do Discovery, and then after that you've got a Picard, and then after that you've got Strange New Worlds, and then when that ends you've got Lower Decks, and then you know it lasts a year. That would be fantastic, right? Like I know that when the Next Generation was out, I didn't watch all those other shows. I mean, I wasn't a, I wasn't a, I was a Star Trek fan, but I wasn't a Trekkie by any stretch. So I would occasionally like to watch Next Generation, but man, I didn't want to watch that and this other show and this other space station show and this other one. Just watch the one, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, but but that I, was when me. I was when I was young and those shows were still on. Well, Next Generation was over before I even got into Star Trek, but I had no interest in. Uh, Voyager and Deep Space Nine. I don't quite know why. Well, I think they were just different enough. Remember, this is something that, that I know a lot of listeners out there who are younger w- will not understand, is that it takes an investment to watch a show back then. It's on Thursdays at 4, and you have to be there That's at true. Thursdays at 4 to watch them. Right? I mean, the the real reason is probably just that it wasn't available. And yes. by the time, by the time uh, you know, certain technologies advance, like you know buying dvd sets or uh you know 
stuff being available off the back of a truck, as they <laughs> say. Um, it, I just was not was not interested. Like, yeah. they were just as old by that point, you know, which is not that old, but, like, they were 10, 15 years old and had just a completely different storytelling. And people said, I mean, I was... I was even at that age, I was kind of on the fence about next generation. Sure. Like I was, I was all in on, you know, the old, the original, the source, the, like the you don't scientists. get any of these new things without the new, you don't get Pierce Brosnan unless you watch Sean Connery. Like <laughs> that was just the, the mindset that I was in, in my early twenties and late teens, I guess. But yeah, we've talked about voyager and deep space nine well you know that is something to think about though gone to those gone back to those later for people to understand though is that you know not just star trek but any kind of thing when you you know like you said some of these things it was really really big to be on must see tv on thursdays right like it was scientifically calculated when people watch tv the most and who was at home on most days and thursdays were the days and and not on fridays part of that's part of how original series ended up getting canceled after its third season because Paramount moved it to, or CBS moved it to a bad time slot. It was like yeah. a, like early on a Friday. I remember Fridays like were rough. always the, like you were when a show got moved to Fridays, you're in cancel territory. Like it's the, it's yeah. the last bit. Yeah. It's like this, when people are, this is when people are out doing things. They're not home watching your weird space. Western. Yeah. I, I watched, uh, there was when I think I learned this one, I think it was either Stargate or it was um, actually I think it was Stargate Universe. And there was like a spinoff from the Stargate TV series. And I enjoyed it. Um, it was very much about, very much like Battlestar Galactica and um, it, like heavy handed and that kind of stuff. Unlike the Stargate series, which was very tongue in cheek ish kind of type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Lo-fi, I guess I'd say. Um, but the Stargate universe came out and then it didn't get quite the following. So they moved it like mid season to Fridays. I'm like, Oh man, no, like I'm just getting into this. And then it's, it's going to be canceled there. That's just like the, the, the let's move something else into their slot and we can maybe yeah. pick that one up. Like, Oh, that, that always really sucked. But so, yeah, um, you couldn't just go it's watch funny an episode that you mentioned you missed it. Missed it you know? Yeah. Nothing, nothing was, nothing was even on like next generation was already in reruns. By that point on one of my local yeah. uh network broadcast stations but reruns were important um, or important to a to a series right i mean that's that's what syndication that's what brought star trek back like syndication of the original series is where it gained all its popularity yeah. it's funny that you mentioned stargate because i remembered i'm like we watched something last weekend with like pyramids <laughs> exploding and it was that terrible I don't want to talk much about this because I know you left halfway through, but this fan sort of like wow. campy uh, movie called Max Reloaded. Uh, if you haven't seen it, please do not watch it. Yeah. It's it's two hours of the worst, cringiest dialogue that you've ever seen in an episode of Big Bang Theory, but the whole movie. Yeah, and 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 we're, and he's not saying that to kind of like make you think that oh, there's sometimes there's bad good, and that's a matter of opinion. I think there was like seven people within the, we were all spaced out in the, these two big rooms and only like three of them ended up watching the show. And we all sat down to watch a campy bad movie to, to yeah. make and, and make fun of it as it went along. And even several, some of us had been drinking. So there was even that like lightheartedness and 
and there was only like three people left because we stopped watching it. And like, yeah, I mean, you, I don't care. You've heard our, you've heard us talk about movies like Ping Pong Summer, yeah, where, where we, we watched like all three of the Bill and Ted's. Like the, we get the two the of movies. us and and <laughs> our group of friends have an an appetite for, you know, like good bad sort of cringy nerdy geeky kind of movies and this this was not that it was like literal facepalm in almost every character interaction you, you know what it was i did not awful. think that i would put a movie above or below game over man until this yeah yeah right and we I mean, were on board for game over man being our worst movie of all time I I think I would rather watch Howard the Duck again. <laughs> I definitely would rather watch Howard the Duck again, right? Or even Mario Brothers, which is terrible to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, that that was a weird thing that we watched, I, and I can't remember how that got. I think whoever suggested it has has hidden themselves and won't admit it again. So yeah, yeah. but no, it, so, you know what? Sometimes those hit live or miss. with that secret shame. Yeah. It, what's funny is when you see that, you'll see a couple names on there that you're like, oh, hey, that's uh. That's a person that's in that. I know that. I know Kevin, Kevin Smith, Smith right? and uh, and uh, um, Greg. Uh, what's his name? I always call him Matt Parkman. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Gun- He's also Gun- Gunberg. Greg Gunberg. He like was that. on. Uh, um, actually, he was on Alias Heroes. back in the day. Like he's okay. he's been in. I know him from Heroes. He's been in so many things. Like he but... has really been in so many things. So he was in the show Alias with uh, Jennifer Garner. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on that show that you were just talking about. Heroes. Heroes. Uh, he's in Star Trek and Star Wars. Right. He was in. He's in the new Abrams movies. Yeah. Yeah. He's in, and he just shows up everywhere. Like that dude. Yeah. Has an yeah. agent, right? Uh, Greg Grunberg is his name. See, I would not even. That's terrible. I would not even know that name if I know that. No, I had to. I had to look him up. It's a little bit like um, a show that we'll talk about next week. Raised by Wolves has. The guy, and I've already forgotten his name again, um, but I just call him Ragnar Lothbrok. <laughs> yeah, right. He's yeah, the guy right. who played Ragnar, yeah. Anduin Lothar in the Warcraft movies. Yeah, and um, but he's Ragnar, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's Ragnar. He has a kind of distinctive look and a little bit of an odd accent that I don't know where he's from, but I have no idea his real name. Right, and, and this this guy pops up everywhere, and I see his face right away. I'm like, oh my god how does he get in everything? Like when he showed up in the new star Wars movies, I was like, Oh man. I mean, it kind of, he's one of the ones that'll pull me out of the moment. The, the suspension of disbelief right. type stuff is like, Oh, that's this not because he's in another thing. So he just feels very, suddenly I'm watching modern. a movie and this guy yeah, yeah. shows up and you're like, or you, yeah. or you do your own head cannon where these are all the same guy. Like they're all Matt Parkman. <laughs> I mean, it, and it's not uh, even, crossed. it's not even, a Stan Lee type thing, you know, like Stan Lee was fine in all of them. Those were a little humorous. Right, he's like a, right. a talking character. Anyway, he's in that one and he does horrible in it. Uh, Kevin Smith was yeah. one of the worst Kevin Smiths I've ever seen. And he was the highlight, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, and like, yeah, they're the two of them and nobody else in it could even act like the, the writing that they were given was horrendous, but they also, I didn't believe any of their delivery of it. I mean, probably because it was so bad, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it, anyway. it's intentionally bad, right? Like they, they, it was written to be intentionally bad and it was directed and they reshot it. So it'd be bad, but they weren't a lot of these bad Even movies are, not... are, are fun to, to not like, or like they're so corny. Sort you of... like them a little bit. Yeah, right? Like you, exactly. you hated the characters. Like I, I hated them worse. I was, if anything mm-hmm. you want, it's like, 
if you're going to be rooting on the bad guys, which you hate the bad guys on this one, even, you know, they, they weren't even fun or funny or interesting. No. So yeah. Wow. That was, that was just a movie. I've not seen something like that in a while, but uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> aside from inside, aside from watching uh, Star Trek discovery and this horrible movie, yeah. we did pl- uh, surprise, surprise play a handful of um, tabletop games yeah. last week. Yeah. Um, Let's start with uh, one of the last games we played, and I'll say we. I didn't actually play. I just spectated. Um, a game called Unmatched. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. Um, uh, you, yeah. play, you played this. This is a game that our buddy Fox has been telling us about, advocating for, and kind of hoping. I, You know, I had been, you know, the way that he described it made me kind of interested in it. I'm like, can we play it? digitally you know get on tabletop simulator and kind of thing and he was a little apprehensive about that he was like we'll just i'll teach it when you know when we get together when we're like gonna TTS get together at all that dude is the anti-tts yeah guy. it's he's he's not the, the this is whatever this is a little bit said with love brag on him but he's he's not the most tech savvy right like <laughs> right. our group has a lot of programmers and web designers and stuff and he is not he is not the, of, of those. those right yeah um which is nothing against him, nope, his nope. skills are in other love, areas. Right, but yeah. anyway, he brought this game, and this is a, um, what's the word? They call it, I think they call it a, no, asymmetrical. I always want to say asynchronous, which means not <laughs> at the same time. Asymmetrical, uh, generally one versus one dueling game, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's card management with just a little bit of... Um, dude on a board positioning yeah. uh uh kind of stuff and it's mostly one versus one but you guys played 2v2 and the the characters are they seem to be a mix where they started with a lot of public domain characters and i guess this is a rework of an old star wars game that i never played um but they started over with you know without you know, dealing with licensing from disney you know they started with with public domain characters and they've added just a handful of ip characters i know there are some jurassic park dinosaurs in there but the rest are like king arthur sherlock holmes uh dracula right stuff that is that that's very old and either you know mythological legendary very very league of extraordinary um, gentlemen type or or st- stuff that's in the public domain, yeah, right? Is right. all all of that to say? But you guys played uh, King Arthur and Sherlock Holmes yep. versus Dracula and three of the Raptors from, from Jurassic Park, Park. Right. which, uh, which along that's, with that's the catch with the game, right? is, is that Merlin Watson, uh, uh, the, Merlin John the, Watson and the, the Dracula sisters. Dracula's Dracula's wives or sisters or right. whatever. Yeah. Uh, the it's it is a it is a card game so it's a, it's one of, I like to call these kind of games systems they're systems uh, very very yeah. much like you when you you buy legendary you buy these different decks and expansions so that you can get I can play with Captain America or I can play with Deadpool and you Le- you take legendaries this way smash up is this way like it's a it's a lifestyle or lifestyle is a strong word but like <laughs> sy- system is a good word for it like you buy the game and it's the base game it's the starter pack yeah like it's you're gonna get these at least in this game you're gonna get these four heroes these four characters and then if you like it you're gonna keep buying stuff if the new packs are are of interest to you that's what i yeah. i 
which which I I enjoy like. these these system games. Like I really really do. I yeah. I like the idea that 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 you don't have to buy an expansion or you don't have to do whatever. You can say like, oh, I like Guardians of the Galaxy, but I don't like Fantastic Four, so I don't want to get mm-hmm. the Fantastic Four characters. I want to get the and you buy what you like. I'm I'm a real big fan of that. Um, with all with all companies that when they do these kind of system things, it it keeps me with the game. It keeps value in my original game. You know, so it gives longevity to a thing without like without requiring you to always be purchasing it. Like I know I was talking to Fox about this and he said, you know, I'll probably get the new they're going to do a couple more dinosaurs like T-Rex against Allosaurus or something like that. And then they're also going to do Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And he's like, I didn't watch Buffy, so I'm not as interested in that, but I probably will get this dinosaur one. And I'm like, right. And we had somebody at the table. I think it was Mike who was like. I, uh, you know, he and his wife liked Buffy. So they like, that's the one they would get. You know, uh, right. we, we play a similar game has a system. We play Lord of the Rings. It has the whole, that card game is about a system, right? You have yeah. your, the adventures are put together through packs that you buy and the, you know, characters that are through, you know, you buy the dwarf pack and you get all of them. So, yeah. So anyway, this is a system where you have your King Arthur Merlin deck and it's a deck and all of the cards in it are for, that thing and use that, those powers or only those guys, which is neat. It's kind of like make, right. make, buying a pre-made uh, Magic the Gathering deck or whatever it might be that you know, has a theme. Um, I enjoyed it. I think the system's really good. I uh, my uh, Fox had said um, you're always going to feel like ever the other person is overpowered, and that's true. I think he said that he said that right. He's like you always go up and like, how can they do that? I know that I I only watched and I and I got. That was confirmed for me. I yeah. was like, I, I was sort of texting Fox as you guys were playing. And I was like, everybody here seems kind of upset, except Trotsky, who is not paying attention. He's not paying attention. Like, yeah. he he was trying to order food, like, when it wasn't his turn. And I was like, yeah, okay. So Fox was right. Like, everybody feels like they're they're under it. Yeah, you know? which is funny, because I think that the goal of the system is to make you feel very powerful. Like they, they, I, I, I'm a big fan of starting out a game powerful and becoming more powerful type thing. So a feeling of power. And while I didn't get that, because my kind of little short review is that that I didn't enjoy my experience that time because I played a character or a deck that was not to my personal play style. And and that, Mm -hmm. that is not to say that the game is bad in any way. It is actually a good game. My experience was not so great just because of that. Um, he just does the, they're obviously themed around stuff. And, and Fox did a good job of letting us know that ahead of time. I misunderstood what this, a burn, this is a burn deck. Um, I'm terrible mm-hmm. at them. I don't know how to do them. I can't get my head wrapped around burn, burn decks. And, um, sure. Um, and they scare me and I'm too, I'm too timid for that kind of a, a fight. That's a, for, for people who don't, that might, I don't know if that's a magic sure. reference or you're just saying that generally, that's a, that's a deck or a system based around and, there are things in the Lord of the Rings card game that are like this too, where you give more power to the cards that you play by discarding or throwing away, not using other cards. Yeah. And so it's another, it's another layer of decision-making when you might, it, this game felt like it had kind of a tight card economy, maybe not as tight as Lord of the Rings, yeah. but um, like your hand is already kind of small and you're like, well, I can burn these other cards to boost my abilities but now i have even fewer choices right. and, and and that's that is not he, that's very accurate way to say that that was okay, sorry 
I, I'm not good with that. I'm, I'm never good with those. I shy away from those. And I did, I didn't get that. So my, my experience is tainted by that kind of a thing. Uh, but I definitely did see the, the other people being overpowered type stuff, but I also was very appreciative as the end of the game came that, um, they felt that same way too. Like I looked at, um, not really Mike because he didn't get to play a lot, but I looked at, at uh, to my left on my teammate, which was Justin, and he played Sherlock and, and Watson, and he seemed to be doing so many cool things. And then I looked over at Andrew playing the Raptors, and they did ridiculous overpowered type stuff that was breaking into the game. But then the, it would switch, and they would feel the exact same way about someone else. Like they would feel like they're not having that great a mm-hmm. time because they can't do anything. And you feel like, oh, they're the only one that can do stuff. Um, so that's weird. That's a weird kind of thing. Uh, I can't knock that. I think that uh, Fox's key thing that he said about that game is that don't play it once, play it twice, <laughs> right? And, and we Which and unfortunately exactly we didn't because did. we're a little slower players. Um, we ran out of time. We ran out of time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think you know playing it more than once, you can come in with the expectation of like, okay, it's not necessarily figuring out what to do with my deck. Which is one thing. It's it's understanding that your deck has has a one trick pony type thing and you the cards you're going to you play with pick the one that you enjoy doing the one trick pony for right because mm. and and that same thing with um Andrew I know he he knew what he was going to do but he just couldn't do it ever so it made him feel not he couldn't do that one trick right he was stopped right. from doing that thing so when you're when you're not able to do the one thing that you're each one of these decks has a one thing if you're not able to do that you feel at a disadvantage from that um so i mean i feel like i'm not gonna think i'm not really it's it's actually a really good system worth playing um it comes in like you said a deck uh, a starter box of like four or five characters and that is plenty starter, to play yeah i think i think they do a similar thing to lord of, and i know i'm comparing this to lord of the rings a lot yeah. even though it's not at all like one of the one of the major sort of features of the lord of the rings living card game uh um expansions doesn't even seem like the right word for them is that they all have two parts like one part is an encounter right a quest because the game is pve um one part of it is encounter or encounters quests and the other part is player cards and so you're always buying both but because this game is is dueling it that's all it is like you're going to get new characters so if you're not interested in the characters you can just not buy them yeah. they have big and so that's the, the comparison i was going to draw with that i started out drawing with lord of the rings is that there are big boxes and small boxes oh the yeah yeah main yeah, yeah. the main starter box has four characters um and they have they have smaller boxes that are only two yeah. and the art is very stylistic in its own way uh which is you know if you like it you mm-hmm. like good stuff I don't, I don't think it's bad um so, yeah, I, I would give it a positive review that, that, to do it. And I would play it again. And, you know, if Fox brings it somewhere else, I, I'd play it and try, obviously try a different deck. Um, I'd have to right. realize that, you know, what it is. that There was a lot with the maps. The maps, there's many different maps, and mm-hmm. they are different. And it is important, and positioning is important. Um, and that's something that we learned. So, I don't know. It's The, the, the biggest downside to it is that it is a two-player game. It, we do, did do teams of four, which we quickly discovered at the end, the other team did is that once one person loses, the other one's just done. So, um, yeah. So, so while it that, can that be played with great. four I... player, it's really a, a one-on-one, one-v-one game. Yeah. Even though, even though I was only spectating, I kind of wished that you guys had done two separate games. Um, I mean, partly because selfishly, I 
thought that a third game could have happened uh, in that yeah. situation, either either Fox and I play or you and I play or, right. you know, after you're after you got because you were the first knocked out. But what I told Fox actually when, I was not the first knocked out. I, I finished. I live just my other character. Well, you're. Yeah, your your other character in a in a one verse one. I think you you would have been no, out though. No, you still you still play. Is that, you still play is that with how both how it goes? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah the, the um, uh, not to get into mechanics there, but that's another thing we found, we discovered. We all thought that your what's quote unquote your main character is your main character, but a lot of the decks are not set up that way. They're meant to be fifty fifty. Like Merlin is just as powerful as Arthur, which is an interesting thing. Like it's it's a little. It's probably a little bit misleading because at least yeah. in the base um in the base decks, um, you have this idea of their main character and they have a sidekick, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh Arthur has Merlin, which is weird, like who's the sidekick in that relationship? <laughs> right, mythologically right. speaking. But um Sherlock has Watson and Dracula has his three we call them sisters. I, I think of, they were listed as sisters. Makes, is what makes makes me uncomfortable. But they're like they're like vampire sisters. I don't think they're Dracula's sisters. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's yeah. a little that's a little weird. Well, like but Watson, anyway. for example, did all of Justin's damage. And Sherlock's Sherlock did all the like the, the mischief, the crap right. controlling the deduction type stuff. Uh, yeah, they they seem to have this this sort of thing which maybe is a little bit lore. Like with Arthur Merlin, it makes perfect sense. Like yeah. Arthur's up there hitting dudes with a sword, Merlin's slinging spells, yeah, right? And you exactly got melee right. and ranged. Right. That's exactly and, what that was. Uh, and Andrew played the Raptors, which had no sidekicks, but there were three of them. Yeah. And they were, their strength was in flanking, right? Just like in the movie, yep, yep. Clever Girl uh, uh, kind of thing. What I told Vox after you guys played, um, I said, I get the impression that the people who are paying attention to the mechanics and so forth are annoyed, but would either buy the game or would play it again. Yeah, that's that's fair. So that's seems fair. like seems like success. I, and I would agree with that. That's fair. That's totally fair. I, I I would have to play it maybe two more times to think that I would buy into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we did play Take a While. It was a four player game, but I think a two player game would be pretty quick. It's not something that's that's terribly fast. Um, say speaking of things that were, um a little bit too long kind of stuff to you. We, you and I also played Starcadia quest this weekend, which is the yeah. sequel to yeah. Arcadia quest. It's the uh, right. sci-fi themed skin on the fantasy game. Arcadia was right. fantasy game. Starcadia is sci-fi. Uh, now I and played I, the whole campaign of Arcadia quest. Yeah. You did that. And I think did Justin play that with you? Yes. Justin, yeah, me so the- and I think Aaron. And Trotsky. Aaron. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know if I've ever played Arcadia Quest. Yeah. I definitely not played this. Um, a couple of things happened in this uh, situation to sort of spoil the experience for me. And I had to, you know, sort of make a concerted effort to, to you know, kind of get my get my attitude back in the in the right place for that and try not to not to ruin the experience for everybody else um because of course we don't we don't quit games once they're going as long as everybody wants to keep going you know we keep going um it's one of those um trotsky has certain rules for the house those who aren't know and one of them is his house you start a game you finish a game and that's because you 
it's the worst kind of thing when you're winning and you do really well and someone realizes they're going to lose and then they just want to quit. So you don't get to have any satisfaction of you doing your stuff, even though the other it's like you have to take your licks. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, because the, the next That's... time it comes around, you don't want to be doing something and be doing well. And someone say, I just want to quit. And it happened to you. Right. That, that's yeah, that's I, why his his rule is there. I have thoughts on that, but it's <laughs> uh, from be, being on the other side, like it's also super not fun to. And it, this plays into Trotsky's whole like very optimistic like view of view of the world. Yeah. Like he he doesn't believe that foregone loss, uh, uh, like assured loss, is a thing, yeah. even though it definitely is. Yeah. Uh, you know, by his own admission in various games. Yeah. Uh, and so he has that, like, like giving up is the, is the worst possible thing to him. And I'm like, I, I don't know in certain contexts, like I would rather surrender and move on to another game. Like, I don't really want to have to sit here at the table and be held captive for another hour yeah. waiting yeah. for us to go through these motions. Like I get that that's fun for the person winning. It's very much not fun for the person. Yeah, losing. It's, but it's all that's me. I, like with the, with I, I have a more, yeah. I have a more pessimist slash realist view, but anyway, uh, we played this game. It took us a long time to set it up, which is a thing that happens. I don't think any of us had played it. So mm -hmm. we're still mm -hmm. like reading through the rules and all of this. And then once we got into the actual gameplay, um, it had some mechanics that I, I just did not like. Like I was, I was unlucky, which also didn't help. Yeah. Um, but the combat or whatever, the check system works on dice and the dice are all opposed by these defense rolls. Mm -hmm. And so even if you rolled well, if the other person rolled well, it just negated what you did. It's mm -hmm. a little bit like the thing that can happen in risk. Yeah. Um, and so it took us a long time to get started. And then once we did get started, I went through my first three or four rounds of play doing nothing like, yeah. you know, everything that I did was canceled out by either me rolling poorly or the person rolling defense rolling well. And which, which happened to be Justin, was, who is notorious for being our best roller of all time. And yeah. it wasn't even like. I don't know. I probably would have felt ad as bad or worse if I was losing. Like, you know, my guys were dying and they did eventually start dying. But for the first couple rounds, like I wasn't doing damage and I wasn't taking damage. Yeah, it's like, this is pointless. Yeah. Like what, what yeah. are we even here for? Right. That, that is a, that is a valid review for the Cadia games, the Arcadia and Star Arcadia. Uh, and, and, and I, I okay. say that, I say that with this very, very, very important caveat is that the game is not meant to be played with one game. So yeah. it, it is It is actually uh, more fun after you've played the campaign because uh, it's... I'm, just, I'm trying to think of this, um, how to explain this on some level. It's like playing with level one characters. Like playing with level one D&D characters? Yeah, yeah kind yeah. of like that. And, and then, you know, not saying that you need to be level 20 to enjoy D&D, but, you know, when you're level 5 to 7, you have options and things are starting to control stuff yeah. and you can make choices and things like that. And there's there's more things. So what we did here in Starcadia was that um, Justin and I had played, you know, the stuff. And what they do is they start you out with like, a, yes, you can play this game one off. You don't have to play it, but you play the level 1 characters on a very basic board. 
right? That, that's made to be very mm -hmm. simple and straightforward because your characters are very limited. And there's, like you said, it's based on die rolls that are very random and doesn't make a lot of impact, right? So the, the first scenario is very basic and not meant to be long and not difficult. But Justin picked a different scenario than the base one to make it more interesting. We're a bunch of people that are experienced uh, with games and we thought we'd get into it. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it was one that caused things to go long and and we didn't have the tools on our characters to deal with that kind of a thing and it just drug out badly and it was all everything we did was based on completely 50 50 crap shoot of a dice roll which is a bad part of that game i mean right? we we established i i remember this from when we were first setting up like we we pick our two characters and i've never played so i didn't you know all the characters have different power and they're this funny sort of like yeah, um, yeah. they're they're characters from things right like they're from various ips but they're renamed yeah. stuff in such a way that they can uh you know be be legally and in, distinct and the style is like a uh -huh. chibi style type thing and the, the little chibi style and all of, i was fine and good with all of that stuff yep, like yeah. it's a it's a simon game cool mini or not and so all of the parts are really cool the miniatures were all really cool like um like a uh shoot what's that league of legends game um oh uh yeah um mechs versus minions mechs versus minions um just you know really nice components yep, um yep. and then we we set up our board with this equipment right we had guns and boosts and things we could use and i'm like Okay, we all have the same, so we've same different characters, things. but we all have the same equipment. Yeah. I'm like, when do we buy equipment? Well, we don't. We, we don't. buy after. And I think, I'm sure that I knew that. You know, it reminded me of, um, uh, shoot, um, uh, the Pathfinder adventure card game. Or, like, yeah. Eons End Legacy yeah, is like sure. this. Like, any yeah. legacy game where, like, you play through, and then you get to the end. Gloomhaven is this way. You get to the end of the mission, and then you buy gear and i don't think that's right it's exactly good yes yeah, i don't works. think i really had that in mind when we were like somebody said that and i went oh okay and then still forgot still thought of it as like oh this is the game and we're doing this thing and it's just yeah it was just not yeah like not a pleasant experience no, and i no, would agree with that no part no part of it was enjoyable for me at at any like we made jokes and, and like hanging out that was fun yeah. but nothing about the game and its mechanics 100 percent agree and, and i would and i way. would not recommend it to anyone who wants to play i played when i first experienced arcadia quest we played arcadia and it was like this but we played again like i said the, the base scenario so a lot of these who are mm -hmm. listening don't know they they have like when you go into a map uh, there's a thing you have to do, like rescue the 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 prince, right? That's that's I'm your goal, and the and the first person who who rescues the prince gets a, a victory point. Two if you, two victory points, you win the game, right? And you have to do other victory points. So there's scenarios in the map, and so when we uh, on your base scenario, it's just like how to learn the game, kill another player, get a point, kill another player, get a point. That's the end of the game, or kill two monsters, right? That's that's actually like legitimately how the first game is is like kill two monsters and you get a victory point kill another player you get another victory point mm -hmm. game over like see you can see how that's way more simpler and doable to post to what we did yeah so so yeah. anyway we we had this like clear the map kind of uh, anyway yeah so anyway the, the, but i don't want to yes spend half an hour bashing right on but when game. i played arcadia quest with the the thing i'm saying here is that um 
I was able to enjoy that kind of a base game, simple stuff. It wasn't like, even then it wasn't stellar or other way, but I, mm-hmm. I, I was like, ah, I'm going to look at these items. Why is there whole stacks of items and stuff that we <laughs> never use a whole bunch of parts of this game that we never use. And then I thumped it. And I'm like, Oh, that would be interesting. No, I can see how you build this. And Oh, that's neat. And that's a neat mechanic. Right. And it was like all this cool thing that you can really make it neat. Um, but you net, we were never going to do it unless we played a campaign type stuff. So to wrap this up, start Arcadia quest and Arcadia quest are fun games. If you play them in with a group in a regular thing, playing them one-off type stuff, especially the way we did, they're, I don't think they're fun at all. Uh, they're just all yeah, the bad things a, that I don't like. It's a campaign or a legacy experience, kind of like a like a one-off D&D. Like, you can do it, but it's not like you're missing right. you know, a lot and of And actually, this has all the worst parts of it. It, it had, it had like, like you were saying, it has all the samey weapons. It's got all the... The rent that everything mm-hmm. is a random ass dice rolls. Yeah. So anyway, don't buy, don't <laughs> buy your play. It's great. It looks awesome, but do not buy that game unless you do plan on playing it as a campaign. Unless you're going to, you're going to play it as yeah. a campaign. And Did you good. play, um, speaking of, I don't know, something we said in the last, uh, remind me. Oh, the like first being different from the others. Did you play five minute mystery? No, uh, with me, I, I, no, I did I not. I, I, uh, I it must played, have been before you got, I've there. only played five minute dungeon and five minute, marvel those are the is it i guess it's like that right we played it and i talked about it last week i sort of described and i couldn't remember if you were because that was the first day yeah um so we also played a much simpler game called marvel united oh yeah i played that with pat i i kept calling it chibi marvel which is yeah yeah sure because that's a that's a japanese thing for like small cutesy cartoony versions little bodies gigantic heads type thing so yeah little bodies gigantic heads uh this is a card game it's a it's a co-op pve Mm -hmm. um similar to legendary but much 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 simpler i i would call Um, this a nine to twelve year old game yeah it was it was simple it was quick it had some things that i thought were really cool Mm -hmm. um the sort of like asynchronous turn rotation thing was interesting it's sort of um it something like that could potentially solve the problem uh that legendary has where the difficulty scales based on the number of players which you know is a thing you sort of want like if you know if i'm fighting one dude and you know i want that to be a certain difficulty level compared to you know, me and four of my friends fighting one dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in Legendary, it's sort of the opposite, where the game gets harder as you have more players. Is that right? Eh, yeah, yeah. You, because, you have less turns. Was is the problem with Legendary? Be, yeah. yeah, because because uh, boss things, right? Villain things happen every player turn. Yeah. So if so I'm playing it solo, fast and we are not. Right? Yeah. If I'm playing Legendary Solo, the villain does a thing every time I do a thing. Right. Which, if is, I'm playing which is a with, one-to-one economy there. Right. It's one-to-one. If I'm playing five-player, the villain does something five times for every one time I have an opportunity to buy cards. Yeah. Yeah. It, is, uh, it is not so what, well. what this Marvel United game does is the villain will go on a set rotation. 
which for us was every three player turns. So yeah. We were playing with four or five people and every, you know, we had to keep counting and you put the cards in a big circle, which is a weird thing. But, um, you know, every, you know, so like three of us take our turn, then the villain goes, yeah. then three more people take turns and villain goes. And once we got our first quest, it sped up right? Yeah, right. So every two, every two it would go. And then the thing where you follow the actions of the person who played before you or not follow. Mm-hmm. Cause that's a thing like uh twilight Imperium and some other games do. Um, you do the you can, action of the player. You do playing. their actions and it, you know, that works because the actions are so simple, right? They're, They're punch. Uh, move, punch. move, save and, uh, and, and punch attack, move, punch and, and you're special, which is like save a person or, you know, clear out an area or yeah, yeah. a location or, or something like that. And then, so you, know, it, it you play a card, and if I go, anyway, right? Yeah. If I go after you, I do the things that are on my card plus the things that were on your card, and then the next person does their card plus mine. It's yeah, like you said, it's very easy um, to understand, but still, still had some of that same sort of like, uh, like theme flavor that legendary has worked with the thing where you're like okay i'm doing my thing and the decks had the decks were the different marvel characters right and so they had um that special cards that were unique to their um their kit the way their character is in the comics and it was fun right It, it it was definitely not in the same vein as unmatched where the when you had the deck of cards it was each card was varied and very specific to the, the character. This was very much like I played Captain Marvel when I played this one. And, you know, 80% of the cards are punch kicks and moves that everyone has that are in everybody's. Yeah. But, yeah. but then you have like I mean, three or four that are like power blast and there's binary this, blast. there's this weird sort of spectrum of card games where like, if you say card games to a normal person, they're thinking about, you know, rummy and poker or like <laughs> yeah, yeah. the mechanics of the game might be kind of tricky to learn at first, but once you have them, like now you're just down to strategy and the cards are all the same, right? They're symbols and numbers yeah. and no, no reading required. And then you go all the way on the far end with magic, the gathering and, yeah. and games like it. And you're into this, like, yes, you're playing cards, but you have to read every, every card. one to get um to get a sense of you know all all of the things that that card <laughs> some of those do. games have like like entire paragraphs on their card right of, of yeah. mechanics right yeah uh yeah um, so and this and one this a, one fits and that's why we said it a younger thing this one fits where symbols are basically the only thing you do the most complex thing is like a symbol of move a symbol of pick up something and then a words that says do three damage right like that's right and and i know i've I'm making this sound like it's actually like a six-year-old game. There is some there. The reason I put it between nine to twelve is because there the bosses have mechanics. Like you have to actually think for a minute, mm-hmm. what should I do, like to to, yeah. to help win? We played Pat and I played Ultron, which is the hardest boss in, in the in the thing, and, and we we lost in round two the first time we played, and and I like I only had one turn in the game because he did it. He okay. randomly pulled out these cards. And Ultron did, and then won the game. Uh, and so we're like, so that's what can happen in these kind of games too. But then we played the second game and handily beat the boss because we mm-hmm. knew knew the strategy. So if you're right. a younger kid who's, like, say, nine, but you're more smart, 
you're more intelligent. You can figure out these strategic mind type things. So you look at Ultron and say, oh, he he puts out citizens. He puts out things. I need to stop him from doing that. Uh, then that's that. Now, if you're a nine-year-old and you don't know, just like you can barely get the concept of punch does damage, it's it'll still play okay, but it'll be more of a challenge. So I think, though, when you go beyond that, it's, you know, like if you're a 16-year-old, you're ready to move on from a Marvel United type thing. Sure. But, you know, it's fun. It's also a family game. That's the important thing about it. You can play with yeah. four or five people with younger people. I actually thought about, after I played it, thought about buying it because I do have like a nine-year-old in the family with uh, with Lola, Shelly's daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and we want to all play it together and we can have some fun with it. So that is one of those things that I might seriously consider buying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, play, um, you played a game. I didn't play this one, but I saw you playing it and I just peeked in every once in a while it's a, a speaking of the opposite in the spectrum very heady game called cyclades and you played it in yep. a team format now that is yeah this is a this is an older it's not older older but like um in our group yeah. which i think it was fairly new at the time because our friend trotsky buys new things um around i don't know 2012 ish um we got really into it and people were playing it that was just before i left bloomington and so i played it a couple times but could not remember any of the details of how of how it was supposed to play but we did a team variant of it we did three teams of two um and it was long it was probably three ish hours maybe four um and we ended up based on the goal like the goal was to build three cities metropolises and Every team had two at the end. One team, Andrew and Justin's team, got the third first, which triggered the end. Oh, I heard and you then, had a weird ending, right? Yeah. And then, so once that happens, it's like other games do, where, like, once something happens, now it's the end. Everybody gets their one last you're turn. In the end game now. And then you decide. But, yeah, you're in the end game now. But unlike the base game of Cyclades, if somebody takes away that third town the game still ends. Yeah. Um, and so I had this thought of like, oh, if, if Fox can take that one back from them, then, um, or, you know, if whatever, then like maybe we'll go one more round because Fox is my uh, partner, teammate. Okay. And uh, that didn't happen. What happens is um, if somebody takes that third town and now two teams have two towns or metropolises, um, there are tiebreaker rules based on how much gold oh, you have. Right. And I, th- I think all three had one because I was able to build one that last turn. And then Trotsky was able to steal it from me. And Fox was able to steal one of the ones from Andrew and Justin. And so all three teams had two. Right. And it was decided it by, by goal. So Andrew and Justin won anyway, which, um, you know, was fine. Yeah. Uh, I, the kid, I felt the, like I did The young kids well. got to win something it's, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I would kind of, I mean, I would feel a little bit bad if they went to the work of getting the third metropolis and then still lost. Like that would be kind of crappy. Yeah. Well, uh, the, it's, like it's, it's a, uh, it's, I, it's a longer game. Yeah. I know these are ones that we, this is one of those ones that where we played Cyclades at the beginning of our, um, more dedicated group Thursday nights, um, because it is sure. one that does take, you know, about three hours, but, um, isn't, it is not a risk. Like it's got strategy and thought and long-term plans and uh, 
it's themed it's greek theme right or egyptian it's, theme yeah it's 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 ancient greece greek, okay. themed the uh cyclades or cyclades however i don't speak greek it, it's but, people on a board um, type thing you put your maneuvering people around it, it's dudes on a board, you you move around, you build cities, uh, unlike the game we've been playing a lot recently, Terra Mystica, um, the, the buildings and the cities are neutral, they can be stolen, um, or unlike uh, Settlers of Catan, to make the most basic uh, comparison there. Um, you know, if I build a town, somebody can come in with their guys and, and steal it away from me. Yeah. Uh, and then there are all of these... Um, mythical creatures that you can hire to do things on your turn they're the various you know cyclops and kraken and pegasus and a bunch of that stuff and then the main sort of uh like unique element to this game is its bidding system um every round there are a number of greek gods equal to the number of players plus the one at the bottom which is apollo for some reason and you bid for who gets which one you know you go around and bid and if you outbid somebody they have to bid on somebody else it's like a white elephant kind of thing yeah so it's bidding definitely got a big bidding it's this bidding thing and the money used to bid is the money you also use for other things so it's this sort of tight uh economy management um and those gods are placed out randomly so that controls a turn order and um and yeah, and so you're doing that, and the, the different gods do different things. And so depending on what you're trying to do, you have to try and get the god that you want, but you might not be able to afford it if somebody else wants them. Yeah, this, this is a this is a really good game, and it's been popular for a while with, with our group. It's one of those ones that Mike has kept in his closet for a long time, instead of trading off or giving away um, for good reason. I uh, my, my review of this game in general before is the same. It kind of is now. I remember I didn't play it this time. But it's it's that um, mm-hmm. it, it is a genuine great game if you sit down and play it with your friends at the same time together on the same experience level of it. Because what sure. Dennis had just mentioned, it's got a tight economy. So when you you have only a limited amount of resources, and when, when since you have that, you have to make thoughtful and intelligent decisions about the future. And if you have not played the game before you don't always know what to expect about the future or how everything plays mm-hmm. out. So if you've played with other people who have played this several times, you are at a distinct disadvantage, right? And, and because it's yeah. a three-hour game, it's not like you often do that. Um, so you can often come into this. That, that is a definite game where if you make mistakes earlier, it's hard to, to kind of come back at them because you've managed your economy poorly type thing. Right. Um, so... Yeah. I didn't have always the best experience with it. I am thankful that I can see the game and see it for it for a good game that it is. But I came in playing with three other people who had played it at least five times. You know, it's 15 <laughs> hours logged of time. And they knew, and they were at this point in the deep meta of what they want to do long-term at the end of the game. Right. Yeah, when I was figuring out yeah. how to, what a bidding is type thing so yeah so and i do that i have that kind of a problem a lot of times i'll play with a lot of people who we've got people in our group who are really good at catching on quickly at that kind of thing i'm a i think i'm a slow broad uh picture person which you know it is what it is um so yeah but it was fun though right you had a good time at the end of the day that was uh, worth worthwhile three hours yeah yeah like we really only had i think trotsky who had played it um 
extensively. Yeah. Uh, and it all, you know, for all of us who ha- we had like half new players and half people had played it before. And then like the experienced quote unquote players were Trotsky and Fox and I, and at least Fox and I were like, yeah, I played this five, six years ago. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. I, you're yeah. going to gonna have to remind me everything, everything. Right. <laughs> Speak to me all over again. Will you please? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So we, let's see what else. Do we, what else do we have this weekend on there? We did. Um, what else was going on? Um, we well, we watched our movie. We did. We, could, we uh, did. Oh, right, real quick, I, I do want to say something. Last game. Okay. I talk about. We oh. we we played. Oh, right, right, right. You and I played uh, a d and D board game called D and D Adventure Begins. I, I don't want to spend too much That's time right. on this, but I I wanted to point it out because it to me feels like a skinned game of. Uh, that like it's just a game that was made, and then they put D and D flavors on it with words and stuff. But something I really liked about it was we and that we did is that it it really encourages role playing in a board game, uh, mm-hmm. all throughout. Like like actually, it says um, to do this, it gives you a card of a backpack that has like six items in it, right? Like words, yeah. just written like spool of wine, magnifying glass, or whatever you know, twine, mm-hmm. magnifying glass. And and that card is simply there for role playing and flavor. You have it. Everybody has right. a different one that you pick at the beginning for your backpack. And then to do your power on the card, it says, describe what you would do with something in your backpack to get over to the bridge and then roll mm-hmm. your dice to see what happens. Like that's it. It just encourages creativity and while it creativity and and that kind of role playing where you describe what you're doing yeah which is a thing anybody who's played D knows that that's how it works but this i think the pitch for this is if somebody's never played D, it's not going to teach you how to play D. no for sure but it it is going to teach you this idea of like yes i can roll and use one of these two weapons or because of my character's special trait they're, you know, they do this combined two things. And I'm like, okay, well, I've got this, uh, you know, this rope. And so I tie the rope onto one of my weapons and I throw it and pull it. And now if the if the dice roll well, well, then I snag it. And anytime you, this is a thing I know certain DMs do in D&D or GMs. If you get the killing blow, you get to describe sure what happens you're like yeah i throw the thing and it catches and you know of course we all know how to do that but if you've got you know younger kids or people who've never role played like trying to trying to sort of you know break them into that that's a weird way to say that but like just let them experience that in a in a low stakes introduce them to it without all of the overhead of learning D D of like yeah. Okay, you take this and you add it to this and you roll this and which dice is a, is a, a D4. Yeah, and, and, the, and none, of, none of the mechanics are really good. It uses a D20, but so many games that aren't role-playing games really use D20s. You know, I mean, yeah. there, none of the mechanics will teach you. This won't teach you D&D, but it will teach you, the, as Dennis is saying, the, the, the idea of doing, using your mind create, creatively, and then there's, then you roll dice and get a result. Now, this, this is true to the D&D in that that doesn't matter. Like it, it also has that component. Like if I go up to a bridge and say, and I describe how my magic missile shoots out of my hands and hits the, 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 the orc, um, in D and D it's, that's wonderful and great, but you still roll two D four and that's the, that's the damage, right? It does. It doesn't affect 
And this does the same thing. However, sure. I described pulling my magnifying glass and putting it because we tossed you over a bridge several times in that thing didn't really matter because we still have to roll a D20 and that's the outcome. Right? Yeah. Well, related. that's, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing, right? Like I can have, if I'm in, in real life, right. And I'm like, how do I get this thing out of there? Well, I can take this spool of rope and I can, I can throw it up and, and try to knock it down. And you're like, oh, that's cool. I hope that works. <laughs> and then and then you throw it and you see what happens, right? It's trying to simulate the uncertainty yeah. of life. Yeah. So um, it, it was I just wanted to bring it up that, that it's not it, it's got the D&D skin on it. It's not going to teach you D&D and it's not like it's not going to recreate any D&D experience for you. But it is going to um, help you have fun, especially it's, it's how much fun you're going to have with it. Right. We had fun yeah. because we all enjoyed doing the the creative little thing as we went around and we're not like huge, big role player people, but it was just simple enough. Like I don't have to be in character or talk with an accent or anything, but I did, you know, figure out how to toss my pen. Right. Because that's mm-hmm. what I had to do for the thing. That was fun. So I think we enjoyed that one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, we did, like you bring it back there, we did watch these other movies, and we got to watch our movie. We watched it outside in October uh, around a fire, and we had a projector, and it was Shaun of the Dead, right? So we get to watch yep. uh, our 2020 challenge outside in a, in a, in a uh, spaced out outdoor thing. It was pretty neat to watch a, a movie again together. Yeah, yeah. All person. right, so let's, let's uh, talk about this. All right, as Michael mentioned, we watched uh, the 2004 Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg uh, horror comedy, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, horror comedy. I don't know it's if great. I said that. It's it's very more comedy than horror. Yeah, yeah. On IMDb, it's listed as comedy, comma, horror. <laughs> Wasn't there one show that we watched that, that had horror in it? It was, uh, I know what it was, um, oh, uh, American Psycho had comedy. In the in the tag, uh, this this is the opposite of that amount. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is, I mean, there are some dark things that happen, and it's a movie about zombies. But it's it's very much like comedy with some horror elements, and it's and it's British comedy. It's British comedy. Right. Um, yeah, which is a term that we Americans throw around a lot because we don't. We don't we don't get their wit- witty differentiate the things. I mean, I know that you have the same problem I have where if I'm trying to remember which director did which movie, I get uh, Edgar Wright and Guy Ritchie confused. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, because they're both English and there are some similarities, but there's a vast difference between an Edgar Wright movie and a Guy Ritchie. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, but yeah. anyway, uh, I'm going to hit the bell because we're going to spoil the story for this if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it. Uh, I mean, we'll come back with final judgments, but you should probably go see it. <laughs> I do like how you you put your final judgment right up front, guys. Don't, don't even <laughs> I know. pay attention. I, I got. I, like, got pre- I don't. I don't think there are going to be any. You know, this is one of those like Shawshank or or oh, of the Lost I, Arts, I wouldn't so put like, it that high. <laughs> is a thing. I I honestly believe that I know I could show this to a lot of people that would not like it. <clears throat> and sure, I mean that's that's true. Like you know, yeah. if you well. We'll get to that with Final Judgments. Um, I'm going to link a video if you haven't seen it. I know that you watched it because I, 
because I sent it to you, mm -hmm. but it's um, from the YouTube channel Every Frame of Painting, which is a sort of video essay uh, YouTube channel um, about how Edgar Wright does um, visual comedy. Mm -hmm. And it's a thing that we've talked about over the last two years with this poster of um, the movies that attain this kind of revered status right of like standing out from all the others of their type or all the other things at the same time or this isn't always the case but very often is where um a movie uh you know a piece of cinema if you want to say that as, as calling it a work of art it does it makes full use of the medium and um by that, I mean the combination of writing, acting, soundtrack, uh, what we call effects or Foley work, um, and cinematography. Yeah. I named five. I think there, there are at least those five. Um, but you have this idea, and the, the guy who did the Every Frame of Painting video can describe this better than I can. But you have this idea of you have something funny, right? You want to make people laugh. You can write a joke, and you can put an actor in front of a camera and have them deliver that joke. Mm. Their acting is going to play into that like stand-up comedy, but there's a lot of stand-up comedy that you can listen to. Yeah. Right. Like Bill Cosby put, and I know Cosby is a complicated thing, but he made a bunch of records, right? Vinyl records with all his stand-up. And yes, sometimes he was making faces and stuff, but you could get 80, 90% of the comedy just from his from, voice. From pacing and delivery. Yeah from timing and and delivery and and all of that but in film you also have the visual media yeah. medium um that's where i often go back to um uh the good the bad and the ugly mm -hmm. right sergio leone is doing um so much visually that the dialogue is almost secondary right, right. half these characters don't even speak english right it's dubbed between two languages and it didn't matter because it was all about the visual spectacle um this is not that it's yeah like the perfect combination that. of both right there's there are jokes happening and you really have to be watching you like you're listening to it you might get some of it but there's so much happening on the screen in looks and and cuts and ridiculous sound effects um well th this you're is not you're this not getting what, yeah, all of it. This is why I, when you said like getting things mixed up with Guy Ritchie, not necessarily, they're very distinct, but the mm -hmm. idea is that Guy Ritchie does, is the same kind of things that you can have. Uh, he does movies. People have seen like the gentleman and snatch and lock stock and two smoking mm -hmm. barrels. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, if you've seen those movies, you know exactly what I'm talking about is that, that, that you know, there is deliveries of lines and acting and uh, good writing for stuff that is key and important. But then you have the cuts that go back and forth. And then, you know, I am thinking of in snatch when the guy says like, I want to get out of uh, Britain, England or something. And then all of a sudden you see him, the, the, the car door closed and it's a quick cut to the, to the plane taking off. Then him on the plane, taking a shot and then the plane landing and he's back in, in, in town. Like that's a happens in a matter of four seconds. Right. And it's, done with some good sound and stuff. And everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you've seen those movies and uh, Edgar Wright does the same kind of things in a comedic type thing, which so does um, the other movies. 
but it's really important, right? Like it, these are okay movies without that directing, but it's a great movie with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a thing either in that video or maybe even another video from nerd writer or something that they describe, like you're telling a story and you have to get a character from one place to another, right? This happens Mm -hmm. all the time in, in a, in a movie, in a story. And so what do you do? What do most directors do? Maybe they show a plane taking off. Maybe they show a, you know, a wide aerial shot of the city where they're landing. Maybe they show a little bit of traffic. Um, but for both of these two directors, uh, Guy Ritchie a little more with dramatic tension and Edgar Wright a little more with comedy, um, like you have an opportunity there to do something funny, right? To, to make, to add comedy into this story through this transition that you would have to do anyway. You have to do something with this transition. Why not use it? to create more of what your movie is instead of just filling the time with these same stock shots that everybody uses. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just good putting a good director in a good movie. Right. I mean, it's just good. It's good filmmaking. It it just elevates it. It's it's the same thing as, and people don't notice it. It's, but when you're white, well, star Wars, I'll use star Wars as an example. People know that movie is that uh, I'd recently watched a, um, a documentary or like an extra of star Wars on the, on the Blu-ray. And um, they talk about, you know, you see all of the making and when they're going through and what the interviews with the cast as they're making it and stuff. And then, you know, George and everybody still is some people on the England crew are laughing at at the like the Foley, not the Foley, but the sound guys are like, what are we even seeing in front of here? This is totally terrible. Right. And then when Mm -hmm. they put um, all of a sudden they watch it on screen and John Williams score is with it. It is mind blowing, blow your way because it's got good parts everywhere, but then you add this other part and it like all comes together as an, it elevates every part of it. Right. Yeah. And that's what this director does here. And directors like this, they, you can have a good thing. That's a nice stable thing, but then you add this other part and it just makes it elevates the whole movie. Right. Yeah. You need, you need all of, those pieces and i know i named five of them there are at least those five yeah but now now that more. that being said here's where you and i may differ a little bit on this i don't necessarily think that this is a piece of cinematic art that you look at that and you're gonna be like whoa that directing is amazing i think when i w- watch okay. guy Ritchie movies his can make up for a lot of flaws in a movie because he's so fantastic in my opinion of stuff but i don't know if edgar wright is the thing like the reason to watch this movie. I think it's fun, funny, um, and quirky. That's, that's actually the reason I think that this is a great movie. Uh, I, I enjoyed all of sure. it. Right? I, sure. Right. Sure. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke there. This <laughs> is a movie. This is a movie that I enjoyed when I saw it, you know, 10, 15 years ago when it was new. Yeah. Um, and you know, because of the way I am right. Learning about these things it just elevated it. It sure. elevated my enjoyment of it, huh? yeah. knowing those things and paying attention to those things and knowing, well, you know, I'm a guy who will, I'll get bored watching a movie if it's not, if it's not really engaging and I'll just listen oh, to sure. it. I yeah. did. I did that with the movie her. Um, I agree. I've done that with the last couple episodes of, uh, 
of Raised by Wolves. Yeah. But this movie, because I knew, because I'd, I'd watched some of those some of those video essays, I said, I want to be watching this all the time. I want to see every sure. little thing they do, every look, every, you know, subtle bit of foreshadowing, of course, because I've seen it a couple times. Like, I know what's happening. And I'm like, oh, they started already with the... With there's red on it, I, you know he's got red on his on his shirt, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I see where that's going. And you see him like, you know, some of it's some of it's more obvious than others. Like you can see that he's doing a sort of zombie shuffle when he's waking up and staggering across the carpet. But then he walks down to the corner market, and the people you see around it, like they're going about their day, but he's oblivious to everything around him. Like he's mm-hmm. a zombie, you know the 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 figurative zombie right. in his daily life. And I'm like, yeah, this is all, if you're not watching, you're missing all of this. <laughs> it's funny. I always think of that as a, a good reason. What makes me watch a movie again? Like I, I'm almost sure Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm one of those ones that don't, I want to know very little about anything and experience a movie on my own terms of course, before. Of course. And, and then I'll watch, I'll get someone like you who will send me these videos and, and it'll make me go, Oh, that adds a whole dimension that I wasn't even thinking about. So I can speak to a movie as like my experience that I had then. Then now, after I watch this Edgar Wright video, I want to go back and watch it again. And all of a sudden, it'll, that'll make it just better than I thought the first time, right? Or, yeah, or if I only a, thought it was middle, it was really good. You're right. I mean, that's a that's a whole that's a whole uh, different angle on this. I know that there are some um, film quote unquote critics or or reviewers who won't bother like writing or recording a full review for something unless they've seen it twice. Because oh, yeah, you don't sure. like when you're watching like you're still trying to figure everything out. And then once you once you have the outline, once you have the high points, now you can see all the little bits foreshadowing and uh and the little subtleties and- um that you that you missed the first time yeah. around. So so even even not knowing take, taking all that extra, you know big picture or or even small picture stuff out of it, it it's still a, a recommended movie for me i mean i i think that again the reason i would say i said earlier that some people wouldn't like it it's because i'm gonna go back to that english humor type thing it's not it's not always or i shouldn't say english humor i should say um who's the guy that plays uh, the main character in this movie and um, what's his simon Pegg. simon Pegg. it's a simon Pegg movie it's like his mm-hmm. kind of comedy Right. And Edgar Wright. So if you like the Simon Pegg kind of comedy, you'll like this kind of movie. Right. It's and I really it's one of the best of all those kind of type things that he's done. Yeah, it's the it's the first one of these that I saw. So to me, I think of it as also like if you've never seen an Edgar Wright movie, like watch this one first. It happened to be the first one that I watched. So I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um you know, there might be more in like, uh, like in At World's End, or I know people like Hot right. Fuzz. Um, you know, that's this funny. One, it, I, I this think one is the right. origin to me, um, just because I saw it first. I think the genre is easy to understand, like especially at this point. And it, you know, it was this way in '04, and it's even worse now. Like everybody knows how a zombie story goes. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a handful of now relatively well-known English actors in this there's you can spot Martin Freeman in one scene uh Bilbo or uh or John Watson depending on your right on your uh, franchise of choice there but yeah the the the, I will say 
that's a really good point you pointed out about like the first one that you've seen of this because I watched my first experience in this kind of groups of films. It was at World's End. And because of the whole thing we just mentioned about all the things coming together and being contributed to writing, acting, directing, all that together, uh, it made it nice. It made it great. It was really good experience and I enjoyed all of it and it was new and fresh and different. And then I watched, um, I want to say this one and I liked it less because Mm. it felt like it was just the same exact show I was watching before with the same people same writing, same directing, same thing, just a different skin. And it was, I didn't dislike it. I definitely liked it. Just, it was like, say if I liked a hundred, the one at a hundred percent, this was 90, right? Was it a, was it close? Were, were those two viewings close together in time? No, I don't think so. Okay. And then, I know, I know that is a thing when I was, uh, oh, I don't know, 18, 19, thereabouts for one of my, my birthdays or something, I had, a bunch of guys over and we watched uh james bond movies we watched one from each actor which yeah. at that point there were only five there were yeah. no there were no daniel craig movies yet but we watched you know a sean connery a roger moore the one george lazenby timothy dalton and ended with pierce brosnan and it took all night right like yeah. i stayed up everybody else fell asleep at some point but there were some of those movies that i went back and watched months or or a year or two later and I'm like, I don't remember any of this. Now, <laughs> of course, you watch any five movies back to back, one of which is almost three hours long, uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and you're not remembering stuff, right? Like, yeah. you're watching a movie at three, four, five in the morning. Yeah. You're not remembering anything. But you also watch five movies in the same franchise like that. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know. Which girl was in this one? Was she yeah. blonde or brunette? Right. Like who was? What was the bad guy's plot? Was it the, was it the Fort Knox one that's exactly or right. the yeah or the space one or you know we didn't watch the that, space that's one, that's exactly right because I mean. because they're they're at a pub and they're they're doing drink jokes and they're right you know it's a, like, I mean that James Bond is a is that Shaun of the Dead you know right right James Bond is a is a poor example because it's one of the most formulaic you know it's the movie version of Power Rangers yeah. but. Uh, a similar sort of thing. Like, I think if you watched a bunch of Coen Brothers movies back to back, you're like, uh, what was what was John Goodman angry about in that one? Yeah, yeah, no that that's exact. That's exactly what's my point. You you said it well. Is that you know there there there's so much in the it's probably the writing. I bet it's because it's the same things that these you Just write really about distinctive, what you know. They're, yeah. they're similar in there. You know, it's the same feel. That it's kind of like watching a um. Seth Rogen and James Franco movies, right? Right. They're they're right. they're the same. Which one? They're in. They're clearly at some point they're high and they're doing weed in any of those movies, right? Like which <laughs> one was it? And they're all yeah. funny, but they're less funny the more that that scene is less funny the more you see it. So that's the same kind of thing here. And then you know what? They weren't my viewings. Maybe weren't like close together, but they weren't far apart either. I would say within a year of watching one each other. Sure. And, and then the next one was Hot Fuzz and the same kind of thing happened. And then it was like, okay, this is like 60% or, or 75%. Mm. You know, it's like, not that it was bad in any way, but I think if you would have seen Hot Fuzz first, maybe like, this is great. Right. And then Shaun of the Dead and stuff like that. So it was kind of like those, that thing. That's my, been my reaction. And Shaun of the Dead has always said it at that second movie in this uh, thing, not bad at all. And good, and I really enjoy it. And I and I enjoy it on multiple viewings, right? It's it's still funny. The the one liners become more better quotable one liners, 
Um, sure. The, the characters are still fun. I like all of the characters still. Like I like all of them in their separate ones. Uh, but I do, I do have that uh, Edgar Wright, uh, Simon Pegg movie thing is that I don't know Simon Pegg different in any of the movies. Right. He's right. You, and same thing with, is it Nick Foles? Is that his name or uh, uh, Nick Frost? Fr- Nick Frost. Yeah. Frost. That's right. Nick Frost. He's the same. I know they try to be different or they're written, but I think they can only act one character. Um, <laughs> right. Sure. I mean, even then he's still, Scotty's still the same character as Simon Pegg. Right. I mean, it's, anyway. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this movie, I guess, moving into to final thoughts here. Uh, yep. I enjoy this movie for art appreciation, <laughs> uh, but not really. It's I, I can I can say the good things about it that way. But the real reason to, that I like this movie is because it's fun. It's funny. It's good. Yeah. It's got a zombie and murder, not murder, but like horror is esque type stuff where there's blood. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. funny and lighthearted and doesn't take itself seriously. Um, no. And that's worth watching and worth spending your time doing. And it, and it ends. We, I, I know we're out of spoilers, but mute your microphone for five seconds on this one. It ends <laughs> like Dawn of the Dead does, where it's just like, oh, the police arrive and it's over now, right? Un, unlike, uh, unlike The Walking Dead, uh, <laughs> there's no, there's no long drawn out hours and hours of people arguing. Like, yes, yes, people, people survive the night or don't, and the movie's over, and then it's over. <laughs> yes, thank you. So and that was good. Absolutely. If you if you have never seen an Edgar Wright or you probably don't know the director, if you've never seen a Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movie, if you've never seen this or Hot Fuzz or At World's End, um, this was the first one of these that I saw. So to me, it's it's the one to start with and the one to see. I think the genre is is accessible and well known. Everybody knows what a zombie movie is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If you are are you know if you hate zombie movies i don't know what to tell you maybe watch one of those other ones but (laughs) um absolutely if you've never seen one of these um they're worth they're worth worth watching um they do they do comedy in a very effective way uh edgar wright and simon pank do and uh so it would it would personally stay on my list and and that's my yeah i would too i you know fairly high-ish you know especially Mm -hmm. for especially for comedies yeah, I, I, I mean, think it fits fits well on. There. Everybody loves a comedy, and and this one is, I mean, I guess you should say dark because it's zombies, but still not really dark. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really not dark. The, the zombies are 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 first off, so you know, they're the dumbs that slow zombies. They're they're which is great, right. and they are no, not. Can I can not I World stress the zombies. word dumb zombies? Right, mm-hmm. like it, several times he walks or staggers or stumbles or runs through crowds of zombies and they don't get him at all. Right. Well, and, not even and trying. This is, or it's just... this is a, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but the zombies are sort of used as a metaphor for the way the protagonist lives his life. Yeah. Right. Like, right. and so they're intentionally to anything. Yeah. They're intentionally that way. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, it, it's not, it's right. It's not a scary ish or zombie Right. Which which is great in time where even, zombie movies. even even when even when characters are dying, you're still you know maybe holding in laughs because it's it's done in such a comedic way. You know I you know what I would definitely put this as my favorite zombie movie because I, I don't think that I have I'll, I am not a big zombie genre fanboy, 
Uh, but if I pick one, this is definitely it. Heads and above, it's, above all of us. It's more, it's more rewatchable, I think, than uh, than Zombieland, which is kind which of is also still funny. Zombie, yeah, some movie, but it's it's pretty good. Sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Wait. Well, we're watching next week. What's our? We, yeah. We're coming up on Halloween here. Next week. Oh, this is the wrong IMDb link. Uh, next week, this week, whatever. We are watching. Literally, we're watching Halloween, not mm. not the 2018, the original from like 78, I want to say. Um, still Jimmy Lee Curtis, right? Everybody knows this. It's one of the classic uh, horror yeah, movies with Michael Myers, I, right? With with Michael Myers, I don't think that I've ever seen this, so this will be a new. I I have not either. Experience this is funny that the, the one that makes this list is Halloween because when I was a kid, it, when I little kid, the, the movies that were the scary movies at the time, very much like you have the Rambo and Schwarzenegger off. You have the sure. uh, Halloween, the Freddy movies, Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and the Nightmare Jason Street, movies. Friday, uh, the Friday the 13th. Right. Yeah. So those were the three movies. So, th- so of these, it looks like whoever created this thing thought that Halloween was deserving of being put on the spot was none the, of those the other winner two. of the winner between those three well it's those like three. i don't know you can't put them all on there and so yeah. you just pick one I, I think they they just picked one of those uh, so yeah i don't i don't think i've i've seen this one but you know we'll we'll see i i want to say a funny little thing about mike myers is uh on my recent tiktok viewings a couple there's this <laughs> one one content creator who evidently their their dad it's it's the the wife recording the husband has this thing where he's got a really legit Mike Myers outfit and he does okay. really stupid things like where he goes and he picks his kids up on a golf cart from school with mm-hmm. Mike Myers wearing his Mike Myers outfit. <laughs> and then he'll go, he'll during the day he'll take his lunch hour and he'll just wander out uh, uh, like on a cornfield that's been cut down. So he just wanders around stumbling around there. So anyone who walks by sees Michael Myers wandering around in fields um, and he'll or he'll okay. walk and he'll try to hitchhike with the Michael Myers outfit on and sure sure it's like it's you know it's good he's a terrifying I character I can't imagine too many hitchhikers getting picked up in the COVID times but <laughs> that's that's right that's very true kind of uh, so yeah okay well watch this is a hopefully this you know what this is a scary movie the other ones I think we've seen are like Psycho is a psychological scary American right. Psycho was American Psycho Seven was it was was American gory Psycho. or yeah gory yeah. this is a serial fright killer fil- this is a fright one right like I I predict you're I gonna ass- hate I this assume one. just <laughs> just straight up campy jump scares and yeah and music and that stuff, phrase but. is the one that I think that's gonna like I'm already seeing Dennis hating it like I know how much you loathe jump scares <laughs> this is gonna be all yeah about. it's it's just cheap to me but i know that that's what people are there for so hey sh- should we should we make a point of watching this like in a dark room instead of like at night instead of watching it during the day when it's uh, i mean right? it's part of the I, experience isn't it <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna tempt fate here a little bit and say that i don't think it really matters <laughs> for me for me personally i don't think it's gonna matter that yeah, much i we'll, mean this is we'll have to see we'll have to see 40 okay. year old movie kind of 40 years that's crazy okay yeah okay cool. okay cool well i think i think we got it this week where we've been going on with a lot of stuff so next week coming up we've got some uh we're gonna be talking about uh what's the wolves movie right um raised by wolves raised uh, by wolves yeah we'll watch talk about that one as it comes in Cool. Well, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 165. 
Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek role-playing, Star Trek role-playing, you can check out our other show. It is called Klingons and Dragons. That's at klingonsanddragons.com. The Star Trek Adventures role-playing podcast. It's not safe for work. If you have questions, comments, feedback on the show, suggestions for what we do next after we finish up this uh, 100 movie poster, you can reach out to us via email. That address is frontporchpod at gmail.com or go over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com and use the contact forms there. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever podcasts are found. As always, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Thank you.